Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. On today's show, you know, I always deem whoever I'm interviewing with with a special name. So today's episode, I'm going to deem her the soulful boss, and she'll be able to fill in those blanks why I'm calling her that very shortly. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, Maura? Absolutely. So I'm a transformational leadership consultant. I primarily work with transformational coaches to help them unburden themselves from money blocks and personal value issues. I help them see the value in their story and I help them attract the perfect clients effortlessly. Mm. We're all, you know, we're all in the intuitive healing business. And so sometimes there's a lot of guilt, like I don't want to charge to heal people. It's their birthright. I'm like, settle down. They won't value it. They'll say, Hey, so these are my people. <laughs> right. You pay to pay attention. You know this. Yeah. So those are my primary uh, my primary clients, and I do work with the occasional it, uh, individual clients. And they, I'm very picky though. They have to be in positions of leadership. They have to be culture makers, influencers. Uh, I'm here to help awaken as many people as are ready to be. And those are the people primarily who can actually do to some significant good with that experience. So I kind of reserve my one on one for those types of people. Nice, nice. So I mean. Uh, it obviously shows, right? You could hear the soul in her voice, right? I mean, she dropped it very quickly. She was very precise. So let, let's talk a little bit more, like, just get into a little bit more about you. Like, if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those three to five words be? Coaches, coach, leaders, leader, practical mystic. Nice, nice. So let's just, just since we're on this time traveling binge, right? Let's think about you as an adolescent. Like, did you like wake up as a teenager? Like, you know, maybe you were on a sports team and then one day you just said, okay, I'm all into the soul and I'm all into coaching. Like, how did your journey really begin? You know, it's funny. You should ask that. That is such an awesome question, by the way. I've never been asked that question. And I mean, as far as like going back to my adolescent years, I'm like, how, how much time do we have to discuss my awkwardness? Uh, because I would need more than an hour. All right, no. Um, there is something very unique that, that I recognize in myself, actually from the time I was a little girl. This was reported to me by my parents, so I, like, I don't remember any of this. I would walk into rooms, and the kids would gift me with the role of leader. Mm. This was something that was very common, and it, it, it actually... It, it persisted until about the time I started to doubt my value. Uh, you know, when I got to that middle school age and I, I became very insecure as I was never beautiful and all the pretty girls got all the attention. And so that was really frustrating to me. Um, there isn't a lot of space for like, the, you know, the funny girl next door types. Like, what, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like where I was, I felt very relegated. Um, and I was, I was, a, I was an athlete. I was a competitive gymnast. I was a two-time junior Olympian. So at the time, you know, I, I was very much involved in that. And so I wasn't really into the social stuff. And 
once I got into the social stuff, it was really interesting that I definitely carried myself with the sense of authority until middle school. And then that all just went to hell because hmm. I, I doubted my value because back in the, that, if you're not pretty, you're not valuable. Hmm. That was the lesson I learned as a girl. And that haunted me for quite a while. And I became very externally focused for validation. But even then, there was something about me that people would just, they would believe me no matter what I said. I had this authority that I don't know where it came from. And that definitely followed me and informed what I'm doing now. It does have its downsides, though, I say. For example, I'll be in the gap shopping and someone will come up to me. This happens all the time. It's, it's like clockwork. They'll come up to me with an item of clothing and say, do you have this in another size? And I look over my shoulders, I'm like, do you think I work here? I don't know what it is. Uh, but whatever that thing is, mm. it has served me and helped me create a six-figure business, helping mm. people make peace with their past and awaken to their soulful purpose. So, ah, mm. no complaints, no complaints from me. So, I mean, that's definitely interesting because, I mean, you're, you're in the spaces where you're, you're helping coaches kind of find themselves. And obviously, you were on that journey from a young kid growing up to be who you are in that process, right? I mean, in today's world, like Instagram, right? Instagram vixens. Instagram is like a big social media platform that personifies beauty or the eye of the beholder in beauty. So, with your clients, I mean, how do you kind of like make that connection and make that disconnection at the same time? I get exactly what you're asking. So the connection is being spectacular has a variety of definitions. Mm -hmm. We've got a Kardashian, but that is spectacular mm -hmm. in its own right. Could probably like run a small country. It, you know, I mean, it's really something. And, um, and then oh. we have, <laughs> then we have spectacular in other ways, mm -hmm. like uh, visually arresting is what Instagram is about. So I'm like, Vixens is one category of visual, of visual uh, spectacular or visually arresting. It is a visual medium. So if you would like to have people stop scrolling and you don't have a Kardashian butt or, or the, the Vixen situation, you're going to tap into your other areas of prowess. So mm -hmm. for me, it's like paradigm shifting, posts with super cool imagery and so i and also you know i'm not trying to attract the people who would be interested in the vixens right so you know that's not my market um so i i encourage them to find their unique voice on every platform from tiktok to instagram to linkedin uh clubhouse it's all about magnetizing the people who need you right now and you showing up for them in that way that their people are going to look at them and be like, that's the one, that's the one he or she can help me. I can tell, just check out this Instagram post. Boom. So nice. that's how I help them pivot their own uh, unique value, so to speak. Got it. So, so it sounds like you're really big into a formulation of the, the raw, the, not necessarily the laws, but the rules of attraction, right? It's kind of if you think it and if you take action on it, then it becomes a reality. So in that, right, you're talking to someone. Who is your ideal customer that you can help on that journey? The ideal customer is a transformational coach who has hit a ceiling of some kind. Mm. Generally, I work with coaches who have already started and their price points are around 500 to to $1,000. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's way too low. 
for the work that they do and they don't understand the legacy of their work. So any coach, it, it's got really transformational coaches. I help them because we work in the quantum, so to speak. We use the law of attraction. And I help them d- depending on where they are, whether they're elite coaches who are looking to make the jump from 15000 to 30000 for their services mm-hmm. to the person who is starting out at 1000 and wants to get to 3000 I can tell you it's exactly the same. Hmm. Upper limits are upper limits. False, uh, false beliefs are false beliefs. And I'm a neurofacilitation practitioner, so I help people build new neural pathways. I help them pivot their thoughts and beliefs into the ones they need that unravel and prune the stuff that's not helping them. That process is all the same. It doesn't matter whether you're charging a million dollars or five dollars. The process is the same. We just go back into your past. We find out where that false belief came from that is fueling the engine of that upper limit and we unwind them. So we don't change the experience, we change their attitude around it. Nice, nice. So you're talking about essentially rewiring someone's brain, right? And you're also talking about some of these people may be really A-type personalities. They may think they have all their shit together and they're making money, but you're giving them opportunity to scale and to grow and to become a magnet for the attraction of what they really want, which is essentially more clients. So my question is, in that space, you're dealing with A-type personalities, you're dealing with somewhat, I would say, some people maybe know-it-alls. Like, what is the worst experience you've had trying to help someone, knowing that they're going down the wrong path, and you're trying to help them go down the right path? Well, most of the people that I help, I, I wouldn't say anyone's ever going down the wrong path, because I believe that we are all in divine time, and we have brought ourselves the experiences we're, that we have right now always on purpose, and it is leading us where we want to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm always about zero resistance. I'm just about flow and harmony. And, and I'm a cancer survivor, and I can tell you, I flowed and harmonied my way through that experience with yes. gratitude. So I know what I'm talking about. And for me, for me, I'm not, uh, did I just step into the know-it-all big pile of shit? Like, sorry about that. (laughs) So for me, I know that for me. So when people come to me and I see them on a track that doesn't appear to be, so they say they want this result and they see where they are. And then I give them the perspective of, I think if you want to go there, you're going to need to pivot and do this. Also, I, I don't argue with anybody. And I will let you go. I have one client one client who was one of my first clients and uh, this person uh, was not an appropriate client for me, but I was a little inexperienced in being able to discern the appropriate client for me. And I can tell you, I'm boutique. I am bespoke. I don't serve the millions. Not yet. I've got some evergreens coming. That will be the million. That's going to be the the mass, the mass marketing. But right now when I do one-on-one, it is intense. We go deep, we go fast. Mm -hmm. And I only do this experience with people who are ready and able to receive the coaching. Now, I, I, I made a mistake, and I, and I recognize now the biggest red flag I ever hear is the following. Hmm. I want to heal the world. Hmm. I want to heal the world. I want to save the oceans. I want to do these huge global things. Now, this is a lovely thought. This is a fantastic idea, and it really does speak to this, uh, what, what's the word, benevolence. The, right, the, we, we have this beautiful benevolence within us. Here's what the trouble is with that phrase. I want to only heal outside myself. I am not willing to look within and tackle my own shit. 
because they don't understand that they are the world. You want to heal the world, heal yourself. You nice. want to, you want to, you want to change our society, make peace with your parents, go to a Thanksgiving and try not to judge someone. That's how we're going to get peace in the Middle East. We're all connected. It's all the same. People don't see that their individual moment by moment choices to be kind or not affect the entire whole. We are one organism. And the more I can help people see the only work you need to do is you just do you be kind to you, accept you, love you. Everything will change around you. That's what be the change means. And that's what I help people do. So when I have people who are really outwardly focused, they it's because they're avoiding and I'm not trying to convince anybody to heal. They're not ready. They're not ready. I can't, that's not my job. I can't walk through the door for you. You know what I'm saying? I say, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm at church and my feet is like this. And I'm like, testify. <laughs> Can I get a witness in here? <laughs> I think one thing that you said that was, was really cool, and I think I think that's a part, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think part of your, you're a ball of energy, right? I think you've probably always been a ball of energy, but just like you, I faced it like a life debt experience when I had a stroke back in 2018. And like, once you have these experiences that your life could have, ended in that moment and you got a second chance or a third opportunity like there's no whole bar like you don't hold anything back and so kind of talk to that a little bit like you're a cancer survivor is that kind of the reason why you're on the path that you're on did that have a shift in the direction for you to create the legacy that you're creating now absolutely spoken like only someone who had a cva can speak it speak it brother yes so here's what happened uh i gave myself cancer by suppressing anger a hundred percent. I opened the door. That's what cancer is, man. When our bodies fall apart, it's because we're falling apart. 98%, don't quote me on this, but there's plenty of studies that indicate that around high 90% of all illnesses, all disease with rare exception due to stress, mm -hmm. this is mind over matter. This is mind making matter, right? And I recognized very, uh, very quickly after I, after I uh, went through the chemo, holy crap, this was all me. And when I opened the door for this cancer to thrive in me, and, and I think you can appreciate this, you know, we, we kind of bring ourselves the catastrophic experiences that are unique to us. And, and, and so maybe you can appreciate this. I had a huge tumor on my heart inoperable blood tumor, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, because I wasn't listening. My heart kept trying to tell me and I refused to listen. So it yelled at me, hmm. right? So I'd be curious to know what your stroke experience, how it was unique to you, because hmm. people like us, I'm going to just go ahead and make a presumption here. You and I are hardcore. <laughs> we don't fuck around. Nope. We get shit done. And people around us benefit from, they, they basically draft, right? Yeah, yeah, they ride the wave. <laughs> they ride the wave. So we're in the front making the wave, and that's what we're here to do. That's what we're born to do. That's like, we, we love it. We, we eat it up. Yeah. Now, people like us, we got to get knocked to our knees to slow down and listen to the truth, right? Preach. Right. Preach. Right. I know. <laughs> I know it. So what this cancer teacher showed me one it taught me to surrender and mm. that is the heart of everything mm. i teach now and i know that word is scary at, at, in in our society and it's not surrender like give up it's surrender like give in to something greater than yourself mm. it's it's uh 
recognizing that there is something so much more powerful, so much more loving, so much more wise than we are. That's what I surrender to. And after that experience with my beautiful bald head, which I was told was quite lovely, I think they were just feeling sorry for me because, you know, what are you going to say to a woman with no eyebrows? Anyway, uh, I said, like, I am never going to do anything with my breath, with my energy, with my time, with my focus, unless it serves my soul and the soul, the collective soul. That's it. I'm here for soul work. I'm here to serve my purpose. And if anything isn't serving it, the decision is move on, move, move into something that does. So cancer really helped me not be afraid anymore. Did wow. you find that too? Like, did it, did, did your fear yeah. levels, it's like, it just changes what you're afraid of, <laughs> which I mean, is very it, little. If you come into it being fearless, like more so like an adrenaline junkie, it's a kind of a different fear from the approach of accepting that you are here to help other people versus just helping yourself and joining the two together. Then you become completely fearless because you have nothing to lose. There's absolutely nothing to lose. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. So I, I got fired from a, a, a job. Uh, which I'd never been fired before. There was a change of leadership. It was a whole corporate politics thing that I don't understand because I don't operate that way. So it was very easy for them to just go, get rid of me. I'm like, I don't know how to do politics. Uh, but so that happened. And then I just gotten divorced and uh, like a couple years ago, a couple years prior. And then my very first sort of potential boyfriend just totally ghosted me. Like went to Costa Rica, didn't come home, didn't tell. I'm like, what is going Man. on? These are, I know it was just like anything else, which never asked that by the way. Um, and so, and, and I was just like, okay, this is it. Like everything is gone. I'm 49 years old. I'm single. I don't have a job. I shut down my consultancy to take this sweet job. So mm -hmm. I didn't have anything in the pipeline. I'm like, I'm living off of savings. I got nothing. Uh, like the, all the mm. things that you think you should have. And I'm just like, you know what? It's soul time. That's what mm. I'm being called to do. I'm going to pursue it. And if I wind up bagging groceries at Trader Joe's, it, it, it will be the right thing because I've tried, I've tried what I'm being called to do. Mm. So it really gave me the, the strength to own my emotions. And I've been in the mind-body space for a long time, SA. Like I was a, I'm a master yoga instructor, a yoga, a yoga teacher, nice. trainer, uh, embodied anatomy instructor, all these things. And so in the yoga community, it's a namaste. I had the namaste syndrome. It is a syndrome. It's like everybody's like all yummy after class and they come out of Shavasana, they go to Starbucks and they're like, you got my order wrong. I'm like, okay, just settle. Yeah settle down. So I was struggling with that. I was struggling with my truth. I didn't know how mm. to make space for my anger, my judgment, all the human things. I didn't know how to make space for that and still want to pursue soul stuff. And that is part of the work I do with people is helping them manage their humanness mm. while they're working in soul and emotion and, mm. you know, in consciousness building. It's a strange dichotomy. Right? Like God and all the human stuff, <laughs> pretty much. Like how do we, how do we deal with the ego? So hmm. that is a lot of the work that I, that I do because I've done so much work on me because I didn't set out to heal the world. I want to awaken myself and then anyone else who's ready hmm. if they vibe with me. That's it. So it's like it hmm. always starts with you, as you know. Cool, cool. So, I mean, that, that leads me to like a very like interesting question and I'm, I'm just processing what you said right so 
essentially like you're anti-corporate America to a certain extent, the system of corporate America and politics, but you're, you have a system in place that's not that system. So what system are you currently running? Like, how are you, I mean, it's more so like a heartbeat, right? You're on a rhythm, you're, you're rowing and this sequential things that you do repeatedly with every client. So what is that system that you have in place when you're onboarding your clients? So I want to just clarify, mm -hmm. I'm definitely not anti-politics and anti-corporations. Mm -hmm. I do though have, a, I do have a thing. I mm -hmm. do have a thing about it. If you're going to make a corporation, a human mm -hmm. being, a person, mm -hmm. you got to take that person to church and teach them some damn manners. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. If you want to make corporations people, then you need to give them culture. And it needs to start at the top. I have no problem with corporations. I love the fact that we have people who are innovating and creating jobs mm -hmm. and the whole thing. I love it. However, there needs to be a kind and just and equitable culture in that company. That's, that's the only thing I have an issue with, right? Got it. Because worthy people don't, don't steal. Worthy people mm. don't abuse other people. So if we can start at the soul level and realize these are all human beings with a soul coming come to, to work here, we're not trying to get spiritual with you. However, you need to acknowledge that we are all humans sharing space and we all are, you know, we all want the same things in life. All right. So that's my little speech about that. And politics, again, it's just missing soul. It's just missing soul. It's missing soul and worthiness. And once you put those two things in, it really does create harmony. I don't know how to solve these problems. I just know the systems aren't broken. It's the people who are coming to the systems that are keeping them from being effective. Mm. So that's my little two cents about that. Now, as far as process and systems, mm. <laughs> I am just like you, man. I'm a tactician. That's why I call mm. myself a practical mystic. Mm, I don't okay. want to, don't tell me how to get present unless you can tell me how. That used to be one of my chief complaints in yoga. Maybe it's because I'm Jewish and my people are just like, explain, right? <laughs> explain. Yeah. So I learned all of the physiology behind getting present. I learned the physiology behind habit change. That's why I'm a neurofacilitation practitioner. Practitioner, I come to my clients with a, a very um, evidence-based foundation. So when I'm onboarding my clients, depending on how they've paid, uh, because I do have some bonuses where I will give them, I will gift them a 75 minute in, um, onboarding session, which, it, you know, it's just kind of a, uh, it's kind of a jump start. It's not mm -hmm. necessary, but for those who pay in full with me, you know, these people are paying five figures. I'm going to give them an extra 75 minutes because I appreciate their business. Right. Mm -hmm. So in this onboarding, um, I want to know where they're, I just let them talk because languaging is a very powerful tool and people reveal hmm. their limiting beliefs, their, their upper limits, and their opinions of themselves and others by the way they talk, the phrases they use. These are all unconscious things. So I just listen to them and I, I ask them, I ask them to identify three areas where they would like to do work, three things that they are struggling with, and then one result. And then I just have them have them talk and I'll ask them questions. So that's the first piece. And as far as, uh, oh, and I also have content that I've created that is step-by-step. -step. I have worksheets for everything. I'm a curriculum creator. I'm a teacher's teacher. So this comes second nature to me. Because I have a duplicatable, uh, very high efficacy program, 
once I get them into uh, into the flow mm-hmm. with their uh, with their onboarding uh, w- with the questions, then it's just a matter of adapting the mm-hmm. general content to their. I'll put unique in air quotes because there's really nothing unique under the sun. Like everybody's got the same problems. Mm-hmm. So then I adapt it to their unique circumstances. I'll just put it that, that way. They're unique. They're circum- Actually, I take it back. I say, no circumstances are unique, only the people in them. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. So, like, you know, you kind of alluded to, to your age, and I'm not going to ask your age, but just, just, just think about it from a standpoint. Somebody's listening to this podcast, and they're hearing your, your energy level, and you're saying all these different things and all the different parts of your life and different parts of your, of your business and, and how you got to where you are and you're successful. And to them, you may be a perception of an overnight success. But in reality, how long did it take you to get to where you are currently? Oh, my gosh. Well, I love talking about my age. Uh, because I've actually had people say, you should start with your age because you don't look it. And it, it's hard. <laughs> it's a hard, like your credibility is increased phenomenally when you say, so I'm 52 hmm. and I've had many, many lives. Hmm. I was, uh, I was a firefighter for wow. the first, that was my first job. My first real job out of college. I have a degree in journalism and went straight into firefighting as you do. And I uh, did that for about seven years. And then I went to LA and I, cause I thought this is, this is my thinking, holy crap. I've just did something I'm not like supposed to be able to do. I'm five foot two. Mm. I am tiny. Now I was a bodybuilder. I had won a couple bodybuilding contests. Mm. So I was able to carry my weight and boy, did they love me when there was a confined space. Like they would kind of like, ah, she's too little. But the second there was a confined space rescue and someone had to crawl through a damn tube. They're like, go get Laura. I'm like, okay, I see how this works. P.S. They were very, very good to me. So um, I worked as a firefighter and I thought, you know, at the age of 25, I've basically done this thing that is really hard, super competitive. And I thought, well, what else can I do? (laughs) What else can I do I'm not supposed to be able to do? So I went to Hollywood and started acting. And I actually got some roles. I, I got on the West Wing. The, the, the listeners now be like, West what? Google it, kids. So uh, I, got on, I got on television a couple times. I did a bunch mm. of plays. I did a bunch of independent film. Mm. But it wasn't my people. Like, I did the thing. I went union. I, I got on television. I worked with these incredible people. I kicked open that door, and I was like, I don't really like it. Mm. I, it just wasn't my jam. So I stopped doing, and as I was working as an actor, I did need to support myself in other ways. And that's when I started working as a personal trainer and and doing martial arts and Mm. uh, becoming a yoga instructor and then a a martial arts instructor and then a a yoga teacher trainer. And then, so la, 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 on and on it went. So I started Mm. to specialize and become very expert in the mind-body world. So the cool thing is, the, the acting is actually one of the most powerful skills I learned because mm-hmm. in my work, it is all about energy. It is all about vibration. And energy in motion is emotion. Mm. And learning how to, how to leverage emotion when you're doing the law of attraction work. And I consider, this is just me, I consider the law of attraction law because it is actually the, uh, the, was it the second, the third, third law of motion, Newton's third law of motion. So within, so without you throw a boomerang, it's coming back. Whatever's going on inside you is going to uh, have a feedback loop outside of you. It's going to come back to you. 
So whatever thoughts you're thinking, whatever feelings you're feeling, the universe is going to be like, all right, they want more than that. Here it comes. Hmm. So helping, helping myself first learn how to use my emotions, which I had 10 years of training in, to manifest, boy, was that powerful. And now I can, and that's part of hmm. what I teach others how to do is navigate and craft your emotions. What? Okay. I call it mantra craft. It's so much fun. So after I did all that stuff, I wound up in martial arts. I, I found that there was this big disconnect as a woman. Mm. I went to the street fighting class taught by someone who was from Israel, to, you know, and Krav nice. Maga. Krav Maga. I'm just like, yeah. Krav Maga. He was from Israel. I'm like, this is really hardcore. I'm like, I don't think any women are actually going to do this. I'm like, I feel like there's something in martial arts and self-defense that doesn't really acknowledge and, and, um, and harness the power and, and, and skills that women have just naturally. So mm. I created a program called Unbreakable Woman, mm. Compassionate, uh, Self-Defense, Compassionate Self-Defense. So this was all about women using their intuition and their uh, situational awareness skills, which we are gifted with. I mean, all humans are, but women are particularly astute in this, particularly connected to them. And I basically... I taught women how to use the science of intuition to understand when they were getting an intuitive impulse and how to trust it so that they never needed their bodies to defend themselves. I, my, my tagline was, you don't have to learn to fight like a man to be safe. That's how men get down. It's not how women get down. And the reason a man would want to start a fight with a man or attack a man, very different than why they want to do that with women. So I, I, I created a consultancy around this and I started doing women's empowerment gigs at Fortune 500 companies. And mm. on the strength of my book, I was hired to do some military contracting uh, for U.S. military. And they accepted my curriculum. So, like, my stuff's been codified by the federal government, which is super cool. Nice. And I did that for a few years. And I still felt like I'm not quite... It's not quite there for me. Like, I felt like I was shouting into the Grand Canyon. There's just so much women's empowerment stuff going on. And even though it was very worthy work, mm -hmm. I just couldn't really, it wasn't really doing it for me. And every time I had to do research, I would just get so triggered. I was just furious because I have this, I have this justice situation in me. I'm just like, that's not fair. <laughs> I get very upset. I'm like, I can't work in a business where every time I do research to stay current, I get really upset. I'm like, no, this just doesn't feel right. And I recognized, so this is part of the thing. This leads me to cancer. Yeah. So this was all happening. And then I got the cancer. I, I created the opportunity for cancer. And it showed me, I am trying to solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created it. I'm not working at the root of the problem. Yeah. And that's where Soulful Leader was born, which is one of my signature programs now. The purpose of Soulful Leader is to help people reconnect with their worthiness, to make peace with their past, to find worthiness within and without, you know, with source, God, whatever you want to call it, universal consciousness, get tapped into that thing that is not your ego, because that's all an illusion. And Soulful Leader endeavors to help people reconnect with their worthiness so that they can be kind to themselves, to feel their value in themselves. So once again, that gets... Uh, reflected outwardly. And as I mentioned before, I recognize uh, worthy men, they don't abuse people. They don't steal. They, uh, and the majority of men are worthy. The majority of men are amazing. It is this very small minority that's making the news. 
nobody's talking about the good guys who are awesome fathers. Like, well, I mean, they do like the good man project, which I love to read, but nobody's talking about the good men. I'm like, let us support the good men because they are the answer. It is these good men who are going to help the men who are struggling because of the way the God, you, I mean, shoot, I, I'm preaching the choir here. You know all about, I mean, I don't know what it's like to walk as this world mm -hmm. as a man and certainly not a man of color. You could write a whole freaking novel about this. I yeah, just yeah. see that there are certain things I can provide as a woman, not everything, because there's certain conversations only men can have with mm -hmm. men. However, I can help women stand up in their own authority to help model for men what respect looks like and helps and help uh, encourage them to feel, let them know they're safe, never humiliate them when they're vulnerable. Like this is stuff women need to learn. And also for men, how to feel worthy outside. Most of the men that, that are in my programs, they're yeah. totally kick-ass men, but they don't know it because wow. they're not like athletes. They're not the typical thing. And these, like, these men are so powerful. So I help guide them into their power. We do a lot of shadow work. I don't know if your listeners know what shadow work is, but it's like they got some anger that they're afraid of. They don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, I know all about that. Don't get cancer. Work with me. <laughs> like work with somebody. Don't make yourself sick. So I'm very fortunate that I'm actually doing the work that I was, that I was put here to do. And um, I love helping men and women connect with their worthiness. And I believe this is what the root is. And why I primarily want to work with transformational coaches is because I can only help so many people in a year, SA. Mm, gotcha. But if, right, if I can help a thousand people in a year, that's great. But if I can help a thousand coaches help a thousand people, now I have a thousand X my ability to do good with what, however long my life is, because I don't know. And I want to, I need these force multipliers. I can't do it all, right? So that's how I got here. <laughs> Long winding road. Definitely, definitely interesting. So the one, the one thing that I want to kind of dive into, and I was just listen to see if you was going to bring it up. I mean, obviously, you've been on the entrepreneurial path for a long period of time, and you jumped into multiple different aspects, and you kind of step in and you conquer it. You step in and you conquer it, and you're forming them into what you want. You're channeling it. So in your past, like, your entrepreneurial hustle, your entrepreneurial mindset, did that come from somebody? Did it come from a parent, an uncle, an aunt? Like, where did that hustle mentality come from? I was raised by uh, employees. Mm. It was so hard to break free of that employee mindset. And uh, my mother was uh, like an, an Olympic gold medalist and learned helplessness. She was not a good model for me. She was a model of what I didn't want to be. So if anything, mm. out of my desire to not live her life, repeat her life, it definitely spurned me. I can say uh, the, the thing that created it for me, and, and I don't know, I, I suspect other people may be like this. I did a bunch of jobs. Like I was a firefighter. You don't get more like service, mm. like so structured. And I always felt like I am not able to fire at all cylinders in this job. I can't use all of my gifts and I feel a little bit uh, squished. Mm. And every single job I had, I was not able to use all my skills. And it wasn't until I worked for myself that I could leverage all of it. The process mastery, the, the, I don't call it the sales, I call it the conscious holistic influence, which is the enrollment piece, um, 
being able to tell a story because I'm a journalism a journalism major. So I write, I blogs, I I have acting training. So I, I I really enjoy being able to interact with people on video, like I am with you right now. I love that exchange of energy. Doesn't matter if it's digital, it's real, and it's now, and it's happening, and all of it. I, and I love being able to make my own schedule. I love being able to create my own structure. Mm-hmm. And like <clears throat> just recently, I'm like, ah, I'm working too much. I don't like it. I want to make more money and work less. How am I going to do that? And it didn't even occur to me like, oh, you don't get to do that. I'm like, yes, of course I do. So how can I do it? Like, it doesn't even occur to me that I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And that came from constantly doing it, just mm-hmm. doing it. And I think the thing that that holds people back from the entrepreneurial experience is they're so afraid they're going to fail. And what happens if I fail? I'm like, well, you can forecast your own failure all day long, but until you actually take action and get the feedback to determine, right? Start just building some metrics and take a look at things, Mm -hmm. start getting some feedback, and then see whether or not this floats your boat. Some people just, and, and I'm really grateful for this. Some people are built to be CEOs. Some people are built to be coaches. Some people are built. This is why I think corporations are important. Uh, people are built to get in there and do a job, to be part of a team. This, you know, we have it perfect. Everybody's getting their, their, their yayas, as I like to call it. Mm. But some people are in the wrong position because they're in the wrong position because they're afraid mm. and they're getting their needs met, but they're not getting their soul needs met. So that's, and you do the same thing. I mean, you know, you mm. work with coaches, you know yeah. the deal. Yeah. I do. Definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, I think something that, that you had said was a, kind of a predecessor to this next question is, well, you're looking for more time, but obviously you want to get more value and, and to get a higher premium paid out. But then kind of like, why do you want more time? So, like, how are you currently juggling, like, your work life with your family life? Yeah, so I'm, that's such a good question. I love these questions because, mm-hmm. okay, all right, so I'm, I'm a mom. I have a nine-year-old adopted mm-hmm. daughter. Uh, adopted her from foster care. And the reason I may, I say that is because when you adopt from foster care, there's some things that are pretty uh, consistent that you just, you got to manage. There's mm-hmm. stuff you got to manage that you don't necessarily have to do with a bio kid, although you can with a bio kid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. <laughs> so when people are like, so what are your hobbies? I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur making payroll. Next question. <laughs> You know, the, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I I am so in service of being in service. My, Mm -hmm. my business, even though it's quote unquote work, it, it is so satisfying to me. Mm. Um, I do find that I start to, when I'm, when I'm outward facing, like right now, very Mm -hmm. outward facing, you would never know this. I am an introvert. A hundred percent. If I didn't do this, I would just be on my couch looking at my plants for hours. I love it. It's so nourishing to me. Now, this is my work. It's my passion. You can hear the passion. I, I am so turned on and so inspired by witnessing people's growth wow. that this is, I wouldn't say it's a sacrifice by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but this is not necessarily how I occur naturally. It's part of me and it, it, it's, um, it's, it's, there's some energy involved. There's some effort. So I need to like recoup. I, I couldn't, I don't know if I could do this all day long. I could, but then at, like at the end of the week, suddenly I'd just be a little fried. Nope. Yeah. So the way I balance it 
is through schedule. So I have my VA. She's very, I'm, I'm very strategic about when I have outward facing days mm -hmm. and when I have days that I get to sit on the couch and look at my plants. Mm -hmm. And um, with my daughter, I'm, I share custody with her. So mm -hmm. when her dad has her, I work kind of like a maniac on probably three or four days a week, you know, 12, 14 hour days, just because there's always so much to do as you know, there's just yeah. never not something that needs to get done in a timely fashion. And I'm managing, you know, a VA, a tech person. Um, I know I've got some creative people that I work with. So I think the way that I handle it is through time blocking, making sure my VA is respecting or aware of my time blocks and, and building time in to just uh, recharge. And that's mm. going to mean something different for everybody. Some people need to go lift weights to recharge. Mm. I need to sit still, meditate probably to recharge. Uh, because a lot of, uh, I down, I, I channel my stuff and I need to be connected with source all the time. And if that connection uh, gets um, interfered with, I feel like I'm not as able to help as I, sh as I could be. So it really comes down to some, it's kind of the mechanics of, of mm. work in your calendar. That's, that's how I manage it. Got it. So, I mean, just going right off of that last comment about managing your calendar, what does your morning rituals, your morning routines look like? So I have the great good fortune of, uh, mm. of having a soulmate who teaches a very rare martial art called Murpati Puti. It's actually an energy mm. art and it's from Indonesia. It's a whole thing. Mm. <laughs> they teach people how to, through meditation and breath work, how to build electricity in the body so that you can sense your environment with, with your body, you don't need your eyes. They actually teach people to see without their eyes. It's called vibrovision. And there is an, uh, an energy uh, maintenance practice that they have that I do in the morning. So I get up when my alarm goes off, I take 10 to 15 minutes to stay in this state because it's auto-suggestible, which means my subconscious is wide open first thing in the morning. And I have a litany of... Uh, of affirmations that I say every morning when I first wake up. So I hit those and then I, um, I get up before my daughter. So I have some time to do this stuff. Then I do the energy maintenance work, which takes about 15 minutes. I listen to usually, uh, Abraham Hicks has this awesome morning rampage. Uh, it's about nine minutes that, that is very, um, centering. Mm -hmm. And most times I have a practice called Giza. It's uh, gratitude, intention, service, and affirmation. It's one of my tools. It's a calibration tool. Uh, Giza calibration. So I get ahead of whatever is happening in the day uh, through gratitude, uh, setting an intention for who I'm being, because what I do is doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is who you be in my, in, in my world, um, because we're human beings, right? Not human doings. So I'm all about that intention statement. And then how am I going to interact with people? This, how am I going to be in service to people today, authentically, without bouncing energetic checks? And then finally, the affirmation, which I will do, uh, I will do kind of more conscious. And then I get my daughter, get her to school, and um, then work really begins, usually around 8 o'clock. So I start around 5.30. By eight, I'm ready to, to work. And if I don't have her, I will work until 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. Cause it's, mm. I can't, it's, I don't want to stop. Like I'm, cr I'm creating content. I'm helping. And I'm like, ah, I love it. When, when I, when I, when I need to get my daughter, I will admit, I will absolutely confess 
when five o'clock rolls around, I have to put my, like, take my hands off the keyboard. I'm like, God damn it. Cause I always have more I want to do. And it's not that I don't want to see my daughter, but you know, you get on a roll. Yeah. So then I pivot. So here's the thing though, wherever I am, it's where I am. When I'm with her, I'm a hundred percent with her. I'm that she's the only thing that matters in the world. I'm just so present with her when I'm working. I'm a hundred percent. I'm not thinking of anything else. And I want to, I want to give this little piece to men and women out there who have children who may have some guilt around this. When I'm doing something like going to a conference, like, Oh, don't you miss your daughter? I'm like, Nope. No, I love my daughter. I'm right here with you right now. I'm not thinking about my daughter. I'm thinking about what's happening right now in front of me. And when I get home, oh, I love being with her. She is just a gift. She's taught me everything I know about patience and kindness and tolerance, all of it. She's, she's taught me. So she, she's my little professor of love. And I just don't feel guilty at all about that because I am where I want to be 100% of the time. And if I'm not where I want to be, then I'm not going to be where I am. I'm going to change my mind. That was the agreement I made myself when I had cancer. I'm where I want to be nice. always. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So next question is, is a three-part question. And I'm just like listening to your, your speaking patterns. And I, I could hear like, you know, obviously you've been influenced by life and I would think by literature as well. So this next question is, what books have you read to help you get to where you are? Second part is, what books are you reading right now and the third part is like, have you had opportunity to author any books? Yes. So part one, it's kind of funny. You should ask about that. Books are so important to me mm. and so important on the journey of transformation mm. that when my, my, my paid in full, like my private clients, my, my high dollar clients, mm. I curate a book selection for them mm. based on where they are in their process. I'm like, don't read this. Don't read this yet. It's going to bounce off you. You need, you need to do more work before you tackle this book. And that's the thing is how many times have you read a book and you're like, eh, and then you go back and read it 10 years later and you're like, damn. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, it's called the Napoleon Hill book series. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're like, oh, I heard this is a good book. Yeah, I don't get it. And then you mature a little bit and you're like, oh my God, this book just changed my life in five pages, right? This is the experience I, I share with you. Mm. So... The books that, oh gosh, there have been so many. I would say the primary books that really, I mean, warp speed, massive mm -hmm. transformation for me were, uh, is anything by Dr. David Hawkins. Uh, Power versus Force is his seminal work and probably as far as uh, emotional growth and transformation and alchemy, true alchemy, mm. letting go by Dr. David Hawkins. His books are, well, let's just say there's magic in them, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'm using that word kind of, I mean, what he went through, he basically transcended. He was able to manifest instantly. He was mm -hmm. able to watch, he was outside his body, watching his body walk around. That's called transcendence. It's very rare. Mm -hmm. And usually people who do that don't stick around. He decided to come back and be in this world to teach us. That's in that book. So if you're open to it, if you're open to receiving that level of transformation, you will get it. And I just want to alert you. It's just an alert. If you're a very self-aware person and you read it, be prepared 
to have a big emotional catharsis and love and hate the book at the same time. I, I was, because I, this was recommended to me by my soulmate. Mm. And I remember doing a Marco Polo to him because uh, we have a long distance thing. He lives in Utah right now. Mm. And I'm like, I hate this book. It's awful. And I love it. It's so important. And I just want to kill myself and love myself. The whole thing. Like it's just, it's crazy town. Be just wow. be prepared because it is the death of the ego. And it's, mm. you might need it. This is why I recommend it to my people while I'm coaching them. Wow. Because it is a very powerful book if you're ready for it. So Dr. David Hawkins, I would say, would, would probably be uh, one of my top three authors. Uh, Gary Zukov, Seed of the Soul, once again, very deep, very uh, powerful soul work. And of course, anything by Dr. Joe Dispenza that started me on my journey about quantum mechanics and how to mm. use, this is the neurofacilitation piece, how to use quantum mechanics and meditation to shift your body. Mm. Uh, miraculous healings, things of that nature. So these are, I would say, top three influential books. What I'm reading now, uh, Gay Hendricks, uh, The Big Leap. I just read it and reread it and reread it. I'm also uh, listening to A Course in Miracles. It's just on loop. Uh, yeah. It's, oh, sorry, Course in Miracles Made Easy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really important. It's kind of like Course in Miracles for dummies. Uh, Course for Miracles Made Easy. These are the two, the books I'm kind of going back and forth with. Oh, and I'm also reading a book called, uh, oh gosh, Hermet it's, it's Hermeticism. It's a little bit crazy. <laughs> Hermeticism. Okay, I don't know if you've ever heard of Toth. Uh, Toth was the god of education and mm -hmm. basically uh, in, in Egyptian times. And the Hermetic, Toth created the Hermetic way of uh it's like alchemy and it's it's very ancient transformational uh uh teaching hmm. and he's also considered the the god of death hmm. but to me death is education it's just another way we we it's a big education it's like graduation from this world on to the next whatever hmm. it means because i don't know but uh this is some ancient stuff it's a it's pretty heavy uh, and it's super interesting. So these are the books that are, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in contact with now. Wow. And, uh, what was the third part? Have you authored any books? Yes, I have. Unbreakable Woman, Compassionate Self-Defense and Empowerment. And, uh, half the people who have reviewed it are men. And it says about two pages in ladies, if you hear the man bash, throw the book out the window, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it is a book about, uh, acknowledging the the assistance of men to help empower women and also give women very clear practical skills as far as uh, without putting laying hands on anybody uh, how to identify and avoid people who mm. mean harm who are nice. dangerous so that's my current book yes <laughs> nice 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 so i mean going spinning off of books i mean obviously you have a lot of systems in place and you were saying that you have a pa and you have a technical person you have a design person what software do you use that you would not be able to do what you do without uh well i i work on a lot of platforms so mm -hmm. once hub i i really like once hub once hub is my scheduling platform and nice. i'm able to and this is a big piece of what i teach my coaches there's an intake, there's an, uh, there's an assessment form. You cannot get on my schedule unless you apply period. So I was able to go in and make these custom questions that are designed to really get you thinking and really like, am I ready for this type questions? Mm -hmm. 
all through a uh, schedule once. So when people get on my schedule, I go through and I look at their application. It's right there in my email and I can email them back immediately. And I've done this on numerous occasions. Like, uh, this is, is it, we don't, they'll answer a deal breaker question for me. Like, uh, you know, do you think you can change? Like, no, I'm like, can't work with you. <laughs> and I'm like, is that what you meant? Do you mean you can't change? Or do you mean like you've tried and it's been hard for you? Like you so it allows me to interact with them and make sure that they, uh, are ready to work with me. So mm -hmm. I love schedule once for that. It's my assessment tool. And I love, I, I just, I, it's a very robust platform. I think it's fantastic. Nice. I, I also, my CRM is convert kit. Uh, right now, it's cool for me. I like ConvertKit uh, because of uh, they've, they've kind of upgraded their their system a little bit, and you know it's where I do all my newsletters. Hmm. And uh, what are some other platforms that I really love? Well, obviously Zapier, but I'm not sure that really counts. That's just, just oh, it does. Fun. It does. Zapier okay. definitely counts. Okay, Zapier, <laughs> gotta have the zaps. I'm the zap queen, man. Yeah. I just dream zaps. Hmm. Uh, mm. And Teachable, I host all of my content on Teachable, mm. and I nice. absolutely love it. It's just I mean, it's, it's everything. Hmm. And so teachable and is, is zapped with, uh, is zapped with, uh, my CRM and I, that, that works out really well. What other platforms do I have? Oh, I love PandaDoc. All of my hmm. agreements go through PandaDoc. It's just so slick. I use square to take payments on enrollment calls. I'm trying to think of anything else that's like I definitely pay for a lot. So I'm like, what else do I pay for? Uh, I've, you know, G suite, these types of things, um, obviously, I'm, I'm using the Zoom professional, uh, you know, the, the the pro level of that. And I think that's about it. Those are like my big go-tos right now. I'm trying to keep it low tech. Mm -hmm. That's my funnel. Uh, and eventually, I'll probably go to active campaign. But right now, this low tech funnel works mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. So this is going into like final word of wisdom, right? So you're saying that essentially your ideal client is a client that's going to be able to take what you're teaching them, utilize it and help more people. So it magnifies your delivery, right? So let's say I'm a 35 year old male, right? And I'm kind of in transition in corporate America. I'm dibbling a little bit in, in, in entrepreneurism and you have an opportunity to talk directly to me and you're mm -hmm. talking directly into my soul. What words of insight would you give to me to help me on my journey? If you are looking to do a pivot, I would ask you to take a moment and feel through, not think through, feel through. Six months from now, if you were to launch a coaching business or a consulting business, what would you offer? What, what teaching or learning or perspective would you be giving that lights you up? What is that thing where you wake up every day and think, I get to talk to XYZ about this thing that I'm so passionate about? I would, I would invite them into the conversation of finding that passion first and foremost. Find your why. What is it that you are no longer willing to wait to do? Because it's why you're here. You've always known it but it took you until about the age of 35 to finally realize I'm not doing what I, I, what I'm able to do. I'm not, I'm not doing what I could be doing. What is that? And why do you want to do it? And then call me immediately <laughs> because I will get you on that path and get all the interference, help you get all that interference out of the way, the doubt, the limits, the, all that crap. 
and give you a process, strategy to help pursue that why and invite people into it, make it super juicy Hmm. and just wake up and be in deliciousness every day. Why not? Deliciousness every day. I like that. So, I mean, that's a great segue to, I mean, how could, I mean, do you have any promotions? How can people find you? Wish your social media profiles? Oh my gosh, it's all the things. Yes. So my website is mytransformationalcoach.com and I have a free gift there, mytransformationalcoach.com forward slash effortless. This is the cause and effect business model. I help people see how the law of attraction can actually create effortless business. I, I made six figures my first year doing this and I had a $40,000 week my first mm. year out of, right out of the gate with nothing. Mm. This stuff works and it kind of turns the traditional conventional business model on its head. So if you are a transformational coach and conventional business models and sales processes just don't resonate with you, get this gift. You can also find me on Instagram at Soulful Leader, and you'll see, hopefully in the show notes, I'll, I'll show you how to spell that because it's spelled a little bit different. It's uh, There's only one L in the middle. So the end of Soulful st- starts the beginning of Leader. At Soulful Leader on Instagram, every Wednesday at 1230, I do the free lunch live. I host a free show. The first person to drop a question in the chat gets transformational coaching from me. So if you think you might want to do become a coach or if you have any questions around my process, how do you use intuition, which is a completely unknowable, uncontainable thing to actually help people, I can help you tap into it, make it reliable, make it a knowable thing. So come follow me on Instagram, come to my site, get that free gift. And if you have any questions around anything, I'm Mora at soulfulleader.com. Just look me up. I'm easy to find. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So I got a couple of bonus questions for you. Yes. So I'm just listening to like all your achievements. I mean, you list off like from martial arts, being a firefighter, being gymnast, who you are today, surviving cancer, and the list goes on. So out of all of these and probably more that I haven't even heard from you yet, what is your most significant achievement to date? What a beautiful question. By far, my most significant achievement and contribution to humanity is learning to love myself Mm. and accept myself for who I am in all my flaws and show up as I am completely courageously like, Mm. all right, haters, have, have at it. I can't help it. I'm who I am. And, and make room for everybody. Make room for everybody, no matter where you are in your path. And I've had some people do some pretty shitty things. That's okay, because we're all on our path. There's room for everybody, no matter where they are. Making space for myself has allowed me to make space for everyone. No judgment. Very interesting. So I got one more for you, all right? If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Wow. Gosh, that's such a great question. Can it it be a 50-way tie? No. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. You know what? I would love to spend 24 hours with Gary Vee. Oh my God, I love that man. And I'll tell you one of the reasons I love him. Because he has the courage to love. 
He yes. is this like mega capitalist. Mm -hmm. He has the perfect immigrants kids story, right? Mm -hmm. And he is bringing the love to that conversation for millennials, which is so important. Mm -hmm. This is the future. Millennials are the future a business because you know they're they're just about in charge they're just about to be like the majority of employees the majority of business owners the majority of people in the workforce hmm. i love gary v's approach i think he is a true pioneer and i think if anybody could make a business case for soulful leadership in the business place it's that guy because people hmm. listen to him i adore him i admire him and I would love to be in his presence for 24 hours. Hmm. It would give me a sunburn, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, it's Gary Vee. He, he's 100% energy, man, 100% energy. <laughs> love that guy. Got it. So going to the closing, I mean, every episode, I have an opportunity to give the microphone to my guests. And so you could ask me any question that may have arrived during this interview. Are you sure? 100%. Okay. What are your hands doing right now? Are they folded in your lap? Okay. Put them down. Now, when I started talking about women's self-defense, it mm. happened twice. You reached your arms up and you crossed mm. them. Mm. I'm really curious what that was about. Oh, it was because I've been in this chair since this morning and I've, this is like my fourth interview and I'm just okay. sitting in the wrong chair, so. Okay, so it was, <laughs> a, res it it was, was a response more so, to posture. It, yeah, it was just me correcting my posture because I was slouching down a little bit. So, but yeah, anytime okay. I do this, usually it's, I'm intrigued. It's, I know it's, it's the perception is you have to have open arms, but for me, I'm kind of like, I lean in and I'm like, listening. like when I do that, it's like, I'm hundred percent engaged. So that is why I asked because I made no presumptions about your body language. I just that's noticed that it changed. So I'm like, Oh, that's feedback. I want to know what that feedback's about. Just pure curiosity, brother. I'm just like, why is he crossing his arms? I'm so curious. So you were intrigued. Okay. Yeah. And I was, uh, I'm curious why you would be intrigued about that subject. Because I, I think to your point, I, I think it's not necessarily like the violence aspect of it, but you're such a woman empowerment movement in yourself. And I've dealt with so many, everybody deals with women and deal with men in their life. And I always hear about like the negative side of things, like they're being faced with the reality that maybe they're not good enough or their boss would not give them enough pay or a pay raise, but it's more so coming to that situation and demanding it. And I think it's, we are at that time and place to where you could be a black male or you can be an Asian female and you should be able to step into that opportunity and get the equality that you deserve and you could demand it without having to be fearful of the side effects if you do ask for that upgrade. And I would love to ask you one more question if I may. Yeah, go for it. Because uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm in um, an incredible mastermind right now with Daniel Leslie. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she is absolutely phenomenal mm -hmm. she had a, a million dollar launch i was a part of it nice million bucks one launch baby she is amazing she's a woman of color she attracts women of color mm -hmm. um and 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 so the 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 mastermind is extremely diverse ma male and female uh color or not color and i'm very curious and uh, one of my clients was uh was was a, a lovely uh, gentleman by the name of william brown and uh, he's a man of color and we talked and he mentioned to me while we were, he was interviewing me for one of his podcasts. He said he didn't have any role models mm. in, in his life of African-American men who were powerful and good 
And he had a self-loathing thing for a really, really long time. And that opened my eyes, S.A. I was heartbroken for him because I never knew that. I never imagined that. And people only know the unless they open up their aperture and ask questions to people mm -hmm. who are different than them, they only know the world they're in, their little bubble. Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful that he burst my little white woman Jewish bubble so that I could know a tiny fraction of what mm -hmm. he has to live in every day and the, the, the challenges he's had. And I'm really curious for you because you seem so woke. You seem so self-aware. And in the business of, of, of really helping people become woke and aware in their mm -hmm. own way. And I wonder if you could speak to some of the challenges you've had as a man of color and mm -hmm. how you, what you would say to men of color, like, how can we stop trying to solve the problem at the, at the level of consciousness that created it? Like, what's the quantum leap for, for, for men of color, according to you? I mean, to, 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 to paint the picture, right, I would say to break the shackles of the golden handcuffs. And I think that is the root because growing up, you see your parents working or parent working and that parent then instills in you to get an education so then you can go work. And I'm not knocking that, but I'm like my name of my, my podcast is Boston Caged, right? It, it's all about becoming an entrepreneur or being on that journey and understanding like that's where the freedom really lies. Like working for someone is not essentially the opportunity for you to really find yourself. And I'm, t I'm talking from experience. I've worked for dozens of people and a lot of times they may have a, a train of thought that's different than mine. And if you raise your hand and you say, hey, this, I don't think that's going to work for this reason, you may be ridiculed or shunned upon, which by default, if that keeps happening, then you stop wanting to raise your hand. You stop wanting to communicate. You stop wanting to, you know, let your genius shine. And by default, that becomes kind of like you said before, cancerous to you as a person. And then you stop talking. You stop, you know, you start looking down. You stop making eye contact. You start, sh your shoulders start to slouch down. and by breaking out of that and then going on your own and really figuring out hitting the ground and really running and hustling and talking to people and communicating and delivering your passion like you asked before then you become this person so i i've went through all these transitions that i've talked about but now i am who i am and part of that was being going through a stroke part of that is being on an entrepreneurial journey but now it's like i don't really give a shit what anybody thinks about me my goal is my goal and my vision is my vision and the way that people are going to ride with me to the promised land some of them will ride some of them will sit on the shores and watch but i'm not worried about that i'm worried about helping whoever i can help on that journey that's beautiful oh thank you appreciate, I appreciate you asking that question Oh, absolutely. I, I just want to know more. Like, how can I know? How can I know more? And like, how can I be in support? Like as a, as a woman, I mean, we have a similar, different reason, similar journey, right? So like, I'm always, I'm always curious about how I can do more. And the only way I will know is if I ask. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you ask without the pretension of whether it's going to be negative or positive. You're asking for a learning experience. And I think a lot of people don't, they ask. And then before somebody responds to your point, their body language may shift. And that body language shift may be like, the person may be like, okay, I was going to say this. And maybe they thought I was going to say this. Now maybe I need to change my answer. And the reality is it just ask the question and let them respond 100% before you internally retaliate without thinking about it. Yeah. Well, and if curiosity is is your aim, there is no retaliate. Like it's just learning. Yeah, 
It's just learning. And curiosity is a universal lubricant. I will leave people with that. That is that on that note, <laughs> this, this episode is over on that note. Essay grant <laughs> over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- Two three three boss. That's seven six two two three three two six seven seven. I would love to hear from you. Remember to become a boss in cage. You have to release your inner beast. S. A. Grant signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host S. A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.